Hello, happy Easter. Welcome neighbor and friend to this nature and prayer walk featuring art for the 12 stations of Jesus's journey to the cross. Bill and Marilee Menser here. And we're two of the pastors at New Day Community Church and we're so glad that you've joined us on our trail today. We pray that you're blessed and that you're able to connect with God in, in a unique way as you contemplate and pray. As you walk along, we will frame each station for you, read the correlating Bible verses, and suggest a thought or a prayer point to help guide you along. Then simply pause this podcast while you walk to the next station. And in fact, you can pause it now until you reach station one. Station one, Jesus is tempted. At the first station we find Jesus, as darkness falls, going to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. He has shared his last words of encouragement with the disciples. The teachings are done. The Passover is eaten. Now Jesus looks forward to what he must do, and he faces this challenge first in prayer. We pick up the account in Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 38. It says this, then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus knows what lies before him. It is a burden that weighs heavily on him. He's deeply troubled. He knows what he must do, and that he must do it alone. The point is pressed upon him all the more as his disciples fall asleep rather than supporting him in prayer. The account continues in verse 39. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. At the end of the first station, we find Jesus faithful, willing, obedient, resolute. He trusts in the Father, and he submits to the Father's will. As a prayer point, thank Jesus for his faithfulness in the face of great temptation. Thank him for his willingness to take the cup of suffering for us. Now pause the podcast to take as much time as you need. Resume the podcast when you arrive at the next station. Station 2. Jesus is betrayed. At this point, Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew 26, verse 46, Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. The time for prayerful preparation is over. Now it begins. The next 24 hours are going to get rough. And it starts with one of his own, a man he spent years with, a man who saw all the miracles, heard all the teachings. He watched Jesus show love and compassion to all he encountered. Yet here he is, ready to trade it all for 30 pieces of silver and ready to betray him with a kiss. We pick up the account in verses 47 to 50. Even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the 12 disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests and elders of the people. The traitor, Judas, had given them a prearranged signal. 
You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss. Jesus said, My friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. How do you react when someone who's supposed to be on your team betrays you? I can tell you for sure, my first reaction is not a calm comment like Jesus made. Do what you came for? I'm with Peter on this one. Let's draw swords and fight. I'm more like, you can't do this to me. I'm falsely accused. It's not fair. Peter's reaction is captured in verse 51. It says, with that, one of Jesus' companions, Peter, reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. That's how Peter responded, and how I probably would have. But Jesus is not worked up like Peter and me. He calms the storm. He heals the ear. He knows where he stands. He's not swayed by what others think, say, or do. He responds in verses 52 and 53. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us, and he would send them instantly? Talk about calm under pressure, handling betrayal with grace. Jesus is masterful. He knows the opinion of the only one who matters. He will be justified by the father for his obedience. And at the end of this station, we find Jesus calm and confident, knowing he's accepted by the Father, no matter what men might say or do. Take a minute to reflect on that. Pause the podcast, take as much time as you need, and resume the podcast when you arrive at the next station. Station 3, Jesus is Condemned. We pick up the story after those who had arrested Jesus took him to the home of the high priest where all the religious leaders had gathered. Listen in to their conspiring as I read Matthew 26 verses 59 through 66. Hear their accusations against Jesus and how he responds. Inside, the leading priests and the entire high council were trying to find witnesses who would lie about Jesus so they could put him to death. But even though they found many who agreed to give false witness, they could not use anyone's testimony. Finally, two men came forward who declared, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? But Jesus remained silent. Then the high priest said to him, I demand in the name of the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus replied, You have said it, and in the future you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror and said, Blasphemy! Why do we need other witnesses? You have all heard his blasphemy. What is your verdict? Guilty, they all shouted. He deserves to die. Can you believe this? The high priest and religious leaders are the very people who should have recognized Jesus as Messiah. They were incredibly knowledgeable of the scriptures and all the prophecies about him, but here they are plotting to kill him. 
Pray something like this. Jesus, help me not to make the same mistake they did. Open my eyes to see you for who you really are. Pause the podcast, take as much time as you need here, then resume the podcast when you arrive at the next station. Station 4. Jesus is Mocked. Here we find Jesus, condemned by the leaders of his own people and sentenced to die by the Roman governor. The pagan soldiers of the Roman government make a mockery of him. They bring him to a courtyard and call the entire regiment in for the fun. We pick it up in Matthew 27, verses 29 to 31. They wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head, and they placed a reed stick in his right hand as a scepter. Then they knelt before him in mockery and taunted, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him and grabbed the stick and struck him on the head with it. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him again. Then they led him away to be crucified. In John's Gospel, it adds that he was flogged with a lead-tipped whip. Picture that. Just a week earlier, Jesus was celebrated by the crowds as he entered the city. They waved palm branches and honored him greatly. Now he finds himself alone with these soldiers, godless men who take pleasure in beating him, mocking him, and spitting on him. As you turn to prayer, express your emotion to God as you look in on the mockery of Jesus in your mind's eye. Pause the podcast to take as much time as you need and resume the podcast when you arrive at the next station. Station 5. Jesus is given his cross. Here we find that Pilate has turned Jesus over to be crucified. John 19:17 says, So they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called Place of the Skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha. Imagine as Jesus carried his cross. The pain of the heavy wooden cross pressed into the open wounds on his back, adding to his torture. Let's take a moment and meditate on the weight and pain that Jesus bore as he carried his cross to Golgotha. It's a somber thought that stirs within me a sense of humility and thankfulness. What feelings does it evoke in you? Take a minute to share whatever emotions you feel with God in prayer. Connect with him emotionally. Pause the podcast and resume at the next station. Station 6, Jesus Falls. We know Jesus' walk would have been very difficult with how weak he was, from all the beatings and the large amount of blood he would have lost from the lashes. Mark 15, 19 says they kept beating his head with a reed and spitting on him. As his difficulty to walk on increased, this station invites us to ponder how the limits of his physical strength were reached, yet he didn't give up. Why was that? Wouldn't it make sense that at some point Jesus would say enough is enough? 
while Hebrews 12.2 explains the very reason that drove Jesus on. It says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. It was joy. Joy was the reason Jesus carried on. He knew that going through with this act would bring the thing that he and his father wanted most of all. So he pressed on. This station of the cross inspires endurance. In fact, the writer of Hebrews goes on to say in that passage, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Take a moment to apply this verse to your life. Have you grown weary and lost heart in your struggle against sin, or are you enduring? In prayer, thank Jesus that he pressed on even when he reached his physical limits, and ask God to help you to endure. Pause the podcast and resume at the next station. Station 7 Simon carries Jesus' cross. Mark 15.21 says that the soldiers pressed into service a passerby coming from the country, Simon of Cyrene, to bear his cross. It's a small detail like this that helps us better imagine what Jesus' story was like. A simple passerby is called from the crowd, abruptly pulled into the story in an intimate way and made to carry Jesus's heavy, bloodied cross. I can't help but think this Simon in a matter of moments went from quite disconnected to Jesus's story to suddenly very intimately connected to it. What thoughts do you think were going through Simon's mind as he was thrust into Jesus's story? Maybe he was thinking, Who is this Jesus anyway? A rabbi? A criminal? A king? What's going on here? Maybe like Simon, you would consider yourself a simple passerby and find yourself suddenly pulled into Jesus' story today. Well, if that's you, God wants you to know that he loves you. John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. When you believe in God, that's called faith. And the Bible tells us that it's by grace we're saved through faith. And it's the gift of God, not by works so that no man can boast. By grace, through faith, you can receive this gift of God called salvation. And John 1.12 tells us, But to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. By believing in his name and receiving him, you can become his child. If that's you, you could pray something like this. God, thank you for loving me. Today, I want to tell you, I believe in you. And I believe the scripture that says you sent Jesus to save the world. 
not to condemn it. I receive your gift today of salvation, the right to be called your child. Thank you. Amen. Pause the podcast and resume when you arrive at the next station. Station 8. Jesus is stripped. After reaching the place of the skull where he would be crucified, Jesus endures more ridicule and shame. He's stripped of his clothes, and as Luke chapter 23 points out, they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. Jesus is totally exposed, humiliated, and mocked again. They offer him sour wine. They taunt him, saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. The soldiers jeer. The crowd piles on. Criminals will be killed beside him, and even one of them will join in the mockery. Consider how the Creator God, preparing to die for the sins of his people, endures this. The Apostle Paul writes this about Jesus in the letter to the Philippians. He said, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Take a moment to reflect on the extreme humility of our Creator God in this moment, stripped of all he had. Pause the podcast and resume when you get to the next station. Station 9. Jesus is nailed to the cross. To tell you the truth, this is one of the hardest parts of the story for me personally to think about. To think about our beloved Savior actually having his hands and feet nailed through. Those loving, healing hands, those willing to go anywhere the Father led him feet, were pierced and nailed to the cross. Mark 15, 24 through 26 says, Then the soldiers nailed him to the cross. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. A sign announced the charge against him. It read, The King of the Jews. It's difficult to imagine the excruciating pain he must have felt. Yet we know that it's right to try to think about what it might have been like for him and enter into this part of his journey with him. And did you know that through this act, Jesus fulfills the prophecy concerning him from Isaiah chapter 53? It says, But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. If you're like me and you find it difficult to really engage with the Savior literally being nailed to the cross, I encourage you to just talk to God about it. You might find as you tell him that it's hard to think about it, that it actually gets a little easier. Let's pray. Jesus, 
Help us to engage with you in your suffering so that we can more deeply appreciate your sacrifice. Pause the podcast and resume at the next station. Station 10, Jesus dies. Pierced, hung on a cross to die, bearing the weight of our sin, the weight of our shame, a lamb to the slaughter. And when it was finally done, even one of the mocking soldiers realized what just happened. He realized the gravity of it all. In Luke chapter 23, we read, By this time it was about noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshiped God and said, Surely this man was innocent. Consider the steadfast trust of Jesus. Even in the last minute, God in the flesh could have put a stop to it. He could have refused to die, but instead he trusts the Father, and he is all in on the plan. Suffer and die as a sacrifice for sinners, and trust the Father with the rest. Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. Also consider the revelation of the Roman officer. He mocked Jesus just a short time ago, but now realizes. Not every crucifixion is accompanied by a solar eclipse. Not every man who dies on a cross goes out like this. Imagine the spiritual atmosphere around that cross at the moment when Jesus breathed his last. The officer felt it, and he worshiped God. As you pray, let your spirit find a place of solemn worship, surrounded in your mind's eye by the gravity of the final moments before Jesus died and the moments right after he gave up his spirit to death. You can pause the podcast until you get to the next station. Station 11. Jesus is buried. Matthew 27, 57-60 states, As evening approached, Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate issued an order to release it to him. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth. He placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. Then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left. This station of the cross helps us realize the finality of it all. Jesus is buried. He really is dead, really closed up in his tomb. His followers thought he was going to overthrow their Roman oppressors and become their king on earth. Their expectations are dashed. The one who deeply loved them, who led them and taught them, was suddenly gone. This station of the cross is quite possibly the lowest point, invoking such disappointment, sadness, and grief. 
Let's allow ourselves to enter into the disappointment and grief as one of his followers may have. Then ask the Father, is there anything you'd like to reveal to me in this moment? You can pause the podcast until you reach the next station. Station 12, Jesus Rises. Imagine it, the death, the burial, that long day of grieving on the Sabbath. All of Jesus' loved ones were home all day Saturday thinking about it. What does it mean? This isn't what I expected. How could this happen to Jesus? And what now? Two Marys who loved Jesus woke early on Sunday morning and went to the tomb, likely comforting one another on the way, still wrestling with the emotion and confusion. We read about it in Matthew chapter 28. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. The angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. And now, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. You see, these women came expecting to mourn Jesus. But just like that, everything changed forever. What you thought was the end was only just the beginning. He's alive. Come and see. Go and tell. As you ponder this last station of the cross, offer your worship to the resurrected Jesus. And just like these women, go talk about your experience with your friends and family. Well, that concludes our 12 Stations of the Cross Easter Walk. We are so grateful to have joined you on this walk today and hope that you were moved by this experience as you connected with God and contemplated Jesus' journey to the cross. We want you to know that you are welcome back here anytime. For more information on the church, including our upcoming Good Friday and Easter services. Look us up on newdaycommunity.org. God bless you and goodbye for now.